0: Hey everyone, on September 17th, 2022, we put together an amazing event, the Green Summit, where we brought together leaders in business, tech, and finance to share their vision for a sustainable future. We have a special episode right now because this is one of those presentations from the Green Summit. If you're interested in attending another Green Summit, go to green-summit.org. Welcome to the Green Podcast. My name is Dylan Welch. I'm the CEO of green.org and Dylan Welch Media. Our goal with this podcast is to bring you the biggest names and leaders in renewable energy, clean technology, and sustainability so that you can stay up to date with the latest trends and everything that is happening in this world. Not only that, you'll get some action items for your life so that you can apply some amazing things and make your world a better place as well. Let's get the show started. Yeah, right. First off, Susan, thank you so much for being here um susan has been a speaker at every single green summit the first one the second and now the third so what i've loved about uh just following susan and ubiquitous energy is watching them grow and doing these amazing things like i remember our conversation a year and a half ago i remember talking six months later and just talking now is exciting to watch that growth really happen so um, what i want to talk about a little bit is kind of Your background. So a lot of the people that we've had on, they started their own business and they built it. Um, You took a slightly different route, which I think is really interesting. So you invested in ubiquitous energy first, correct? You were more in the finance industry.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, I am not an operator. I mean, I am now, but I've only been an operator for three years and I come to this from... A finance, a really traditional finance background. I went and got an MBA in finance. I was an investment banker in New York, working on digital media projects. So nothing even remotely related to climate tech. Um, And then I was an investor, and I invested in climate tech and some other stuff. I invested in digital media as well. Um, And so, I thought that was going to be my path. Uh, I was building a venture capital fund when I was tapped to come and be CEO at Ubiquitous Energy, and that was part of my hesitation, was I was already doing something. (laughs) I was building something that I really, really enjoyed and and thought I was pretty good at. Um, But uh, taking the skills that I learned through finance and and really bringing them to bear here at Ubiquitous and and getting to lead this amazing team and be a part of this journey, it's like nothing I've ever done. Uh, And so I know that wasn't an advice question, but... My advice you know what I've learned from that is just To give it a shot to give something a try and if I, I didn't feel prepared for it when I first took on the role That's part of why um, some of you heard me say I said no a couple of times before I said yes um, I really didn't feel prepared for it and I uh, had a, a Legitimate feel of f- fear of failure, which I think many people can probably relate to because I think that's very human Uh, And so just taking that leap and and doing something new and different um, was really exciting for me. And I wouldn't change it now for anything.
0: Yeah, no, I love hearing just the different career paths that people have taken. And so were you building your own sort of personal venture fund, venture capitalist company?
1: I was, yeah, I was working with a partner. Um, We had raised a small first fund as a proof of concept, and we were investing in digital media. So nothing even remotely related to climate tech. Uh, and so, yeah, it just feels like one of these things where the universe helped me find my way to where I belonged. So, yeah, it was not even a r- little bit related. Yeah.
0: Well, investing in digital media is great. We're investing uh, for Green.org if anyone's interested. Talk to me after. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so what made you – you're obviously looking for these companies to invest in, and you're probably not saying, oh, I want to come take over like a business or get really my hands dirty. Yeah, of course. Why – was ubiquitous energy different in the sense that you were like I'm going to stop the venture capitalist fund and go all in on ubiquitous energy like what was that decision like for you Gosh,
1: it was a really hard decision um, now looking back it should have been so easy uh, but uh, the things that really i couldn't look away from i think that's what really i i kept saying no but not really i you know i was saying no and thinking it over and thinking it over and the things that i saw in ubiquitous all came true Um, i think just the opportunity in front of us is massive Uh, i continue to think that we're starting with windows but we're not stopping with windows when we have this amazing technology that can be applied to so many different markets and to so many different devices so I, i see this just enormous opportunity and i think that married with the team that was already in place at Ubiquitous Energy were the, the really the key things that got me over the edge and, and you know, kind of pushed me into the role because the team is just absolutely incredible. You can imagine they're brilliant um, just based on the technology, but it's also an incredibly collaborative and, and kind group of people who really care about what we're doing, care about the mission, and care about each other. And I mean, we've had some of our earliest employees are still with us. So we're a team that's been together a long time and I had been working with a long time as a board member. I was a director at the company beforehand. And so that was really, I think, when I really bring it down to that one thing, um, it was the team. Mm-hmm.
0: So the very first thing I kind of started with this, uh, this day was sort of the money and the finances that's happening in the clean tech world. Like this isn't just, you know, Thousands of dollars, millions of dollars here. These are billions of dollars, real jobs, high-paying jobs that are really advancing. You know these industries. And when we were talking backstage, we were talking a little bit about a recent thing the government did to help. Uh, you know these companies scale and grow. So tell us a little bit about what's going on with that and why you're so excited about it.
1: Yeah, and I was telling Dylan in uh, backstage that I think in the months before the Inflation Reduction Act were some of my like darkest days. So I felt like I went from the depths of despair to being hopeful again. That was a little bit of a shock to the system. We didn't think it was coming, and then suddenly here it is. Um, the The Inflation Reduction Act, which, I mean, come on, it's a climate bill, uh, is just an incredible accelerant for companies just like ours. And And we're lucky that we are at the right moment to start building our full scale, first full-scale manufacturing facility. So having government support exactly for what we're doing is just so powerful. You know, I think what I love about the Inflation Reduction Act, and I heard a couple other people mention this, is that it's focused on deploying existing technology. Yes, there's money for new things, and there's money for R&D, and, and that's helpful, that's our future, and we're gonna continue to innovate, and we have the technology today To tackle this problem, we just need to deploy it. It takes a lot of money to deploy some of this technology, and I think, and I think we'll talk a little bit about this as well. But when I look at things through my investor lens, the questions I ask myself are: How are you going to get to market? How are you going to make it? And really, how are you going to make it at scale? Whatever the it is, you have got to manufacture it you've got to distribute it in my case you have to install it because we're talking about windows you have to sell it and there's a ton of infrastructure that needs to be created around a lot of these new technologies in order to get them appropriately and properly deployed and that's where a lot of the money uh, in the Inflation Reduction Act goes to which is deployment 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 and so I'm focused on things that can have a big impact and that means they need to be scalable And if it's a physical product, which I believe is the answer, we can't software our way out of this. (laughs) We're going to have to build stuff. uh, That costs a lot of money. And so having the government support, at least here in the U.S., behind building production facilities, behind expanding renewable energy projects, that's what's going to drive us to our climate goals.
0: One thing that Hap mentioned was, you know, it's really a lot about timing. And so I think the people here obviously see what's happening right now, see that there's a ton of opportunity, and I'm just excited to see where all the people in this room will be you know, five, 10 years from now with everything that's happening right now. So where do you see um, Ubiquitous Energy going you know, with the next five, 10 years? Because I know you're basically right on that level of like scaling, growing, and everything. So tell us a little bit about sort of the future for Ubiquitous Energy. Yeah,
1: future's endless. Um, I mean, look, I'll, I'll go back in time to tell a story that'll illustrate where I think we're going to be. Uh, I think you've heard this from me before. There's a. will get a little nerdy for a second. There's a, a coating that's on every single window that you could buy today in the U.S. It's called a low emissivity coating. It's standard. It's standard around the world. And all it does, you can't really see it, and all it does is reject solar heat from your building. That was invented in the late 70s and by the mid 90s was industry standard. Our industry knows how to adopt technology massively at scale and there is a process for that. And so when I look at what we've got at Ubiquitous Energy that is exactly that same coding, we just instead of rejecting the solar heat from your building, we turn it into electricity. We can be industry standard and I believe that the path to adoption for a company like ours given where we are today with the push towards renewable energy, will be faster than the adoption of that low emissivity technology. So, where will be in, be in ten years? I hope we're industry standard, and I hope we're licensed around the world, so that every piece of glass that's installed around the world and our believe me, our global building stock is going to continue to grow. That all of that glass is power producing, or is capable of power producing if it's installed properly. So we're we're going for it. We believe we should be industry standard, and I think we have a real path to that.
0: Well, in the past year and a half of having you be a part of the Green Summit, it's been amazing watching you implement these ideas, and then the next time we talk, it's happening. So I We're can't wait <laughs> for the 10-year for the anniversary of the Green Summit. Uh, Susan, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for supporting the Green Summit. Um, let's give it up for Susan, guys. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning into the episode. My name is Dylan Welch, appreciate it. As always, stay up to date with the latest information on green.org and dylanwelch.com. Dylan Welch Media is a full service media and communications agency dedicated to promoting, marketing and helping businesses in clean tech, renewable energy and sustainability grow, get more clients, get more customers, get in front of their ideal clientele. If you have any more questions, feel free to reach out. If you're interested in joining the Green Summit, go to www.green-summit.org. Reserve your ticket today. There's very few spots left, so make sure you get on that ASAP. Thank you and have a great rest of your day.